Hey my love, welcome to the House of Liberation, where warriors gather to reclaim their essence. So today's message is the Mekonenet, the morning woman, and the phrase, or rather the sentence, the descriptor here is, be a keeper of grief. And I have to tell you that I've been sitting here probably for 10 minutes have busted out into like maybe three songs from back in the day <laughs> and really sitting with being a keeper of grief. It made me think of, um, you know, for as long as I can remember, I understood the world in a way that I could cry over um, a deep sensing of loss or grief. And as I sit here and I'm thinking, because I still have to like write the message, um, I'm thinking about how long I've been acquainted with grief. And one of the harder pieces about grief and being a keeper of grief now, to me, there's two ways that this is moving in this particular like um, context. In the Nativo Oracle deck, we're looking at the fact that the Mekonene, the morning woman, uh, is an archetype and has like different ways of embodying that. And um, this particular piece is all about being a keeper of grief and the willow tree, which I absolutely love willow trees and love willow medicine, period. Um, in Judaism, it's a symbol of grief, right? Because uh, it, the, the work of the willow is actually to soak up water, um, which is really fascinating. I live in Pennsylvania and there's a lot of like places here where people you know have built their homes and you'll see a lot of willow trees and I used to think oh it's just you know trees growing um, until I later on learned that they plant those trees specifically in like wet areas or marshy areas and things like that because the willow will soak up the water um, which is a really dope thing also kind of dope that willow is also um, the original aspirin, if you will, uh, because it has properties that um, offer relief in amazing ways. So it's interesting that that a tree that's been used, right, like for aspirin and for kind of like anti-inflammatory and, and pain um, is also used as the symbol for grief and as the symbol for something that soaks up water, right? So water becoming a really primary player in here without even really noticing it because we're just like, oh, we're focused on the willow tree. So that's, that's, that's a little gem that kind of stood out for me. Um, but when I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking about this way of, you know, uh, for example, when I was a kid and my parents got divorced, I'll never forget this because that's how impactful it was. Now, let me, before I say anything further, let me say that 
I am neurodivergent and also a very like sensitive person and add on top of that a whole bunch of other things like CPTSD and other things like that. So I say that to say that part of the deep feelings that I had as a child are because I was or am right like I, the type of person that I am is that I am able to really be in relationship with sensing and emotions and so when I was a kid I will never forget that when my parents separated and and I knew that like the time was coming kind of that thing I remember crying I can't even tell you it had to be between the moment of my mom leaving and like we moved to my mom and me and my sister moved to Puerto Rico and I would listen to the music my dad dedicated right over and over and over and I would be bawling because I would feel his pain I would feel his lostness his loneliness you know he was my daddy and I recognize that, you know, children do often feel, you know, what's going on in a home um, in a really deep way that par parents often are not even considering, right? Unless you're, you've cultivated awareness in that way. And I also recognize that when I was a kid, my shit went further and deeper than just like, oh, my dad, you know, we're, we're for, far away from him. Um, I could feel and sense a lot and I didn't understand it then right what I knew for sure though was that I knew that I to me it was a very natural thing that I was feeling hurt for him or hurt for something or like I could feel the pain that, that made sense to me I didn't know and or realize that I was actually doing something excuse me um, one, what would be perceived as way ahead of my own consciousness as a child. Um, and then also, two, not particularly understanding or having language for that, nor the people around me, right, to know what to do with it. But I have stories for days. And it makes me think, and the reason why this these thoughts came to my mind, it's because... I was thinking about how long I have been holding grief for um, the kind of the unraveling of my family or, you know, uh, when my mom was alive, may her memory be a blessing, um, worried about her and worried about like I, I had to she was still here but there were ways because of the boundaries that i had to set with my family or things like that that i held a grief for something that i was never going to get and i remember the first time i realized that like i had been grieving the relationships and the loss of the relationships though they never existed in its fullness that i had hoped to have with my parents when i was really young and it blows my mind now when I think about that because thinking around how thinking about how long we are actually holding the energetic weight of grief 
even when people are living because there's a loss of relationship. I think of other ways that grief can show up if there's a loss of career, if there's a loss of friendship, if there's like not just loss, but really significant and dramatic change can bring about the energy of grief because it can be perceived as a loss. And, and I say perceived because I don't think we have the right to tell people or to um, try to curate people's perception of an experience, right? While I may be like, oh, the family dog, this is unlikely, <laughs> but you know, the family dog passed away, animals died, blah, 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 um, right? Like, I may not feel connected to animals. That does not give me the right to look at someone else's grief and diminish and invalidate it. On top of that, discredit uh, the weightiness of it for the person. And I think the sooner we can stop doing dumb shit like that, um, the better will be. Um, and so that drives me to the question of like, what and how long have you been the keeper of grief in your family, in your relationship, in your work environment, your community? I mean, you can, your friends, you know, you can kind of go down a spectrum of, of things to look at how long have you been dancing with grief and not actually thinking of it as, as the fact that you're grieving or you've been grieving, right? And where is that showing up in your life and where is it not? So here's, you know, here's what you're looking for to know if you are actually like in grief about something is because, well, you will sense the space it leaves. Like, it's like, um, I'll use the example piece, uh, the example piece, well, I will use, I'm just totally blown away in this moment because I'm looking out my window as I'm speaking into the mic and just saw a fucking eagle soaring in the air so nearby. Wow, just, yes to eagle medicine and perspective whoops um just taking like the moment to really think about so if i'm looking at the relationship where i was mourning and and i didn't understand this right like i was mourning the absence of the potential in the relationship with my parents which is <laughs> right it's like you you don't even think about it but it's like i was longing for something it felt like i lost something it felt like like in relation to that like my hopes were dashed you know like it wasn't i couldn't it was like there was a death but there was nothing physical to mark it there was nothing to tell me or to show me yes actually this you are going to have to release it because release and grief death loss these words you know people use them almost sometimes interchangeably but when you're thinking about loss and when you're thinking about grief and when you're thinking about death there's different layers to that right and so because we're not as well versed in the language of grief mourning um and death 
we are missing out on a huge part of how we process as humans when there are significant changes or significant losses, right? It's like it's the human's psyche. Um, it's it's way to make sense of the world and also try to figure out when something feels like there's it's missing energetically, how do we make sense of that? What do we do with it? And so you'll know if you're grieving something because it comes up often for you and I'm not going to say, oh, because there's emotion behind it. That doesn't make sense. Of course, there's going to be emotion behind things. But the texture of this is a little different because it definitely feels like absence. And absence has a distinct texture and it's emotional like weight. And so where do you actually... So because this is be a keeper of grief, what has passed its time in terms of grieving and what is the ritual or where are you actually creating external space externalized space to hold moving through the grief and to hold processing giving it a container like for the next four full moons i'm creating a small space a small altar and i'm going to grieve the fact that I have transitioned from one state to another. So a uh, state as in way of being. So let's say you're used to, you know, you had a career and you loved it and you did so on and so forth, but that's all changing, right? You would create an altar for that. If you were changing seasons of life or cycles and closing out something, you would create an altar for that in which you can process the emotions that come up and give them a witness so that when it's time to release and allow that to become part of the compost in life, you don't feel like it's raw edges that didn't have like, you know, like it, it had no closed closure. And so I want to invite you that if there are things that you've been grieving for a long time, but haven't quite given it attention and you keep on trying to like override it, maybe you need to sit down and maybe you need to create space for it to process it, you know, put symbols of what you're releasing or allowing to be swept away. And also kind of if you want to write a letter or whatever it is to the particular thing and saying, right, your goodbyes and, and making your peace with it. That's really what it is. And this is so timely for me because I recently just had a really like it's been like an ongoing rough time but um i noticed like uh this weekend how um you know close to the surface so much of my um emotions are that unprocessed grief and even complex grief in general uh has an impact on the mind and has an impact on us right and so i want to bring awareness to this because having realized for how long i've been holding the grief and keeping the grief of like even things like watching people i love experience like ableism or internalized ableism it's an experience that i know for myself right um and just like feeling extraordinary compassion over that um and over grief over the ways that they are experiencing loss or or hurting themselves right like 
these are things that I'm holding for um, and have always done for my family and my friends and, and loved ones. And so giving more space to processing that. And maybe there's just some large ass grief altar that you have, a table that you lay low on the floor and create a large space to process some things so that you are not carrying the weight of everyone's tears, but that when you do connect and hold to grief or are holding space for grief, you can do it in an energetically clean way, if you will, um, and in a sacred way because it won't overload your own system. And you also won't, if you have people grieving that are around you for any particular thing in life, you don't feel the need to resist it or project or try to control, but you can be a witness for other people's grief as well. And not necessarily take it on, but hold space for it with a person. And that's really kind of, you know, deep work of a guardian um, type of archetype where there's somebody that always has your back when you enter into these particular states because they're very vulnerable and also energetically opening. Um, and because it's energetically opening as well, you do want to, you know, make sure you're calling in your support system, your spiritual guides, your, um, yeah, your crystal kin, um, whatever, uh, twofold, you know, protection, uh, just as a general, general thing. Um, you know, be sure you cast a circle if you're going to step into grief like that and, you know, have someone to support you. Um, and then secondarily, of course, you creating ritual around it will honor it as well. And that's equally as important. So always protection because uh, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of shit out there in here, everywhere kind of thing. Um, and again, when you are that open emotionally and vulnerable, you want to be mindful and make sure you have your support systems in place um, and your guardians in place. And maybe even if you have a good friend or, uh, you know, a group of folks that are in alignment and you guys speak the same language, you can also, you know, give them a shout out and be like, hey, from three to six, I'm going to be like journaling and I'm going to be at my grief altar processing some things. Can y'all hold me? Kind of those skip things so that you also have backup support in that way. And if you need to process afterward, then you can also reach out to someone and say, hey, I really need to process and make sure that they have the capacity um, to hold that, you know, because grief is heavy. And as I continue to move through it um, in a different way, right? Like, so talking about emotional release or emotional grief or things like that, emotional loss, or you know what I mean? Like in those ways, um, and then now in my life and being in a season where I'm literally grieving the physical like transition of both of my parents and my grandmother um, and trauma makes that really complex. It doesn't become this simple like, you know, oh, yeah, you know, they're just they're gone and um, I, I do miss them. But, you know, it's not it doesn't feel like that. It doesn't behave like that. Um, and especially when you have a small uh, nucleus of a family. And what I mean by that is that, you know, in some, in some family dynamics, we, don't, we may have large families and come from large families, but that doesn't necessarily mean we're close or that the relationships are really generative or healthy for that matter. 
and so to assume that because we come from big families that that means we're close and tight and and um, you know well families is not necessarily the case and so when a death like these these deaths happen it doesn't feel like oh you know as a natural part it feels like I just lost what I had so to speak right like in terms of family of origin they were what I had they are the people that know me the longest right that can tell me and reflect to me and so I've said this before and so um, it means something different it lands different and it has to be processed in a different way so that is today's message turned into a freaking podcasto, um, <laughs> a full-blown episode, uh, which is okay. And I hope you enjoyed it. And I'm curious, um, where are you keeping grief that hasn't been processed? And what are your practices around holding grief for others as well, or creating space for grief, grief when someone else is experiencing it unnecessarily? You can't you know, hold it for them. Um, but you could be with them and witness the person in the space. So big blessings to you. Y hasta luego. This is Kohena Ya, and I hope you have a beautiful day.